I'm Jack Kennedy, and we're here to bring you the latest in MMA. My name is Hunter Boss, and what the boss says goes. What is up, everyone? My name is Keaton McNamara, and you already know what time it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keila McNamara and Hunter Boss. Guys, we have a great podcast. Lots of news to get to, lots of things to talk about. But we're starting off with Guess Who because that's what we do. We like to have fun. Special game to start off. We're focusing on the men's lightweight division in the UFC. 155 is our thing today. You know how it works. Five hints, three guesses. All right, Hunter, you're guessing first. All right. Is this fighter currently on the UFC roster? Yes. Yes. Okay. Has this fighter fought for the belt in the last five years? No. Nope. Ten. Last ten years. No. No. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you got too hard. Is this fighter currently ranked? Yes. Yes. Okay. You really narrowed it down there, right? And my last uh, hint here. Is this fighter outside of the U.S.? Yes. Yes. Boom. That's five people. All right. My first guess is going to be currently ranked outside of the U.S., never fought for a championship belt in the last 10 years, that is. I'm going to go Armin Sarukian. Nope. Nope. Okay. okay. That's one. That's one. We get three guesses. We get three guesses. That's correct. I'm going to go. Hmm. I want to say like RDA. No. RDA. Two. Uh, that's stupid of me. He fought for a belt in the last 10 years. Damn it. Uh, okay. All right. Last one. Here we go. I'm going to go with Gamrock. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> no way. Back in at the last second. Well done. Well done. I like was flaking on fighters from oh. lightweight division for a while. Really? I was okay. definitely thinking of welterweight, but hey, that's our second buzzer beater, right? You you, you <laughs> congratulations. Yep. Congratulations. Boom. Well done. Well done. Well done. That was very good. Oh. All, right. All right. Keelan, you are up. All right, up to the batter box. Let's see. 155. This is going to be intriguing. So, five guesses. Well, five hints, three guesses on the clock. Let's get into it. Guess number one. Is this fighter from the United States? No. No. Okay. Interesting. Is this fighter ranked? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that narrows down to 15. (laughs) Let's see. Um, has this fighter fought for the belt before? Yes. yes. Hmm. Not from the United States. Is ranked. Has fought for the belt. At four or three? Three. Three. Uh, three. So I've got two guesses or two hints. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet you guys have done me so dirty here. Um, 
Let's see. Is this fighter from Europe? No. Not European. Not American. Has fought for the belt. Hmm. One more hint. Let's see. Is this fighter ranked within the top 10? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's all five hints. I'm just going over these in my head to make sure I don't make a pain arse of myself like last time. So, not from the US, not from Europe, has fought for the title, is top 10 ranked. Is it Charles Oliveira? No. no. Okay. Good guess, though. Yeah. That would have been messed up if we picked Charles. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Well, it would be expecting it. The title. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, okay. Let's see. Rankings, rankings, rankings. Hmm. Oh, wow. But, uh, Russia's not in Europe, right? Uh, Yes. Okay. Well, they're not part of the European Union, but they're Nah, it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Listen, two more guesses. Two more guesses. Top 10 has fought for the title, is ranked. Not from the US. They're not from Europe. Hmm. Benito Darius hasn't fought for the belt. He has not, no. And he's from he's also Rome. from America, I think. Well, he, he's considered Iranian, isn't he? I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He has that U.S. flag next to his name, so. Yeah. All the ethnics claim it. <laughs> uh, okay, right. Guess number two. Who is it? Let's think here. Uh, so a foreigner who's fought for the belt and they're ranked in the top ten. Wow, I am really struggling here. I'm not going to We're going to enter in a, a clock, all right? Okay, fair enough. Top ten. Come on, Keenan, think. It's not Islam Makachev. That would just be a waste of a guess because uh, he hasn't fought for the belt yet. Um, oh, God, I'm blanking here. Uh, RDA? Yeah. Yep. Well done. It's RDA. Oh, yeah. come on. Oh, man. <laughs> well done. Oh, well done. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Look, that was great. Hey, Jack. We're too friends, my friend. We're doing better than last time. So far, so good. All the pressure. 55 is better. It's a lot, it, lot more bigger. Yes, it's, it's very a deep. much deeper division. All right, I'm bracing myself for this one. All right, here we go. Uh, is this an active UFC lightweight? Define yes. active. Currently on the roster. Mm, yeah. Define active. Great. That's fantastic. That's fa you might just be messing with me too. I still like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Uh, okay. He's active. Is he ranked at lightweight? Yeah. How could he not be? Okay. Imagine if he was on ranked. I was asking Keelan why Russia was in Europe. I know. <laughs> so I wanted to cast Islam so bad. Uh, <laughs> right. He's ranked. Uh, is his nation? Is he from the U.S.? Yes. Yes. He's from the U.S. He's ranked. Uh, has he fought for the title within the last five years? No. Five years? No. I don't think so. Okay. So, what, I have one more? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
over the last five years? No. It uh is he ranked in the top ten? No. No. That was a good question. That was a that was a very smart question. Okay. Okay. Now, what Americans are ten through fifteen, Jack? I know. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I legitimately don't know. Bobby Green, that'll be my first guess, but he's not ranked. No. Uh I have no idea, guys. This is bad. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my gosh. I actually don't know. I have two more. Let me think. All the big guys are oh, is is it Tony Ferguson? Nope. Is he, that was a good guess, though. he is 15? So ah uh, one more. One more. It's gotta be someone who's fallen off. Because I'm thinking, ah, uh, because if you haven't fought in the final title for the last five years who mm-hmm. i have to rack my brain here who is in the top 15 at lightweight it changes so much guys it does uh that is, it does yeah i'm gonna be the only one who doesn't get it this is awful that's the plan oh, this is so bad <laughs> is it uh is it alexander hernandez no it no. is not who was it your pick was jalen turner oh the tarantula that's good Thing number thirteenth ranked, if we're not mistaken. That's good. So, you know what threw yeah. me off? Whenever I said the f- five years question, you you pulled like it. <laughs> you pulled it. The um, baby. All right, all right. I like the tactics, Hunter. You've gotten really good at this. Props to you, man. Props to you. Uh, well, okay. Let's go ahead and move on to the news now. Uh, first things first. Happy retirement to Jose Aldo. It is official now. Uh, it looked like he was going to fight again, but he has retired. But we just had a great fight night. Corey Sanhagen won uh, by a stoppage in between uh, the, the fifth round. Uh, but it was a great performance from him. Corey Sanhagen, well done. Beat Sonya Dong. Hunter, what do you think about uh, Sanhagen, Sanhagen's performance? It's a great performance. Yeah. A lot of fun. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think it was his best performance by far. Uh he got cut or he got, he got, I think he got hurt a few times in that matchup yeah, a lot more times than I thought he would. Um, but that might just be credit to Song Yudong's just power and ferociousness. I mean, he moves forward without uh, uh, intent to, he, he doesn't care if he gets hurt. He just, he's fine with that. He, he'll, he'll just move forward to try to land those shots. So it was a great performance by both fighters, a lot of fun all around. Um, a lot of people were really surprised that Song Yudong even got the second round on the scorecard for the judges, but. I don't know. I thought it was close. Like I, they were close in terms of strikes, and Song Yidong packs so much more of a punch than Corey Sanhagen does. So when we're talking significant strikes, there's nothing much more significant than a cut right above the eye. But still, I think Song did really good in that second round. So it, I'm just talking about that round because it was a little bit controversial. Other than that, um, I think Song had round one pretty easily. Yeah. Um, we were in for a great night. I love the. I love to see the um, perseverance out of Corey Sanhagen, even when he's hurt. Still battles on, continues to fight. And same with Song. He was, I mean, obviously he was hurt. He was bleeding out of that terrible gash. I mean, we were in for a night of, of, of cuts upon cuts oh upon God, cuts. Those cuts yeah. were in for their job tonight. But uh, all around, fun fight. Not one of Corey Sanhagen's best performances in my eyes, but he did do good. He, he was great, doing great at uh, sticking and moving, which I, I really respect. Yeah, um, it was a great performance from Corey Sanhagen. Do I think it was one of his most exciting? No. 
Do I think it was one of his very best? I would probably say no as well, but it was by far his most pragmatic and effective performance, and there is something to be said for that. Um, first of all, uh, just to kick things off from the very beginning, very happy retirement to Jose Aldo, one of the greatest ever in our sport, a true legend, a true martial artist, and I truly hope he has a happy retirement and he enjoys whatever endeavours he pursues next. A true legend of the game, always been one of my favourite fighters and very happy retirement. Now, as for Corey Sanhagen and Song Yudong, this was a great fight. It delivered, I think, uh, most of what we expected it would. Song Yudong's power is on a different level to most people in that division. Um, his style actually reminds me a lot of Piotr Jan yeah. when I watch it. Yeah. You know, that, like Hunter, absolutely correctly, the high boxing guard, those powerful hooks, and the all-round pressure was very impressive from Song Yudong. But Corey Sanhagen is clearly fed up with putting on showman performances for no result. Uh, you can tell that he's fed up from the Piotr Jan performance, the TJ Dillashaw performance, which some of us still think he won, but that's not the point. Um, his wrestling was very impressive. Uh, the fact that he was actively looking for takedowns, although I do think that was more to open up the knee through the middle, but his wrestling was very impressive. Um, all around, Corey Sanhagen was as surgical as he always is. His elbows were fantastic. That front elbow through the middle to cut Song Yudong's eye was pinpoint. And look, that's the kind of damage that can be done if you know how to throw accurately. As Corey Sanhagen deserves a lot of credit. It is not easy to damage someone like Song Yudong that badly, but he did. And he got a very impressive win. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think it was a great performance. I think it puts him in very good stead. Song Yudong is one of the biggest rising stars in this division, beyond a no doubt about that. And I like his shout-out as well of Marab Devashvili or Cheeto Vera. I think with Marab, he will struggle with the wrestling more just because that is Marab's bread and butter. But I would like to see the Cheeto Vera fight. I think that was an excellent shout. I think you would see a fantastic standing contest. And I think Sanhagen would have a great chance in it as well. So overall, very good performance by Corey Sanhagen. Very effective. And it's on to the next one for the Sandman. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I think overall, like obviously not, you can't say that was his be that we best, the best we've seen Corey Sanhagen look. It's just, you can't say that. However, a big takeaway that I had was just the improved fight IQ from Corey Sanhagen because yeah. I was very impressed with how originally in the first three, four minutes of the first round, he was not looking great. Uh, Song Yudong really looked like he had a massive power advantage, and it was clear that he had that advantage too. Like Corey Sanhagen was being affected by every shot Song Yudong would throw. But what Corey Stenhagen did, I think, just shows the level that he is at, as opposed to Song Yudong, a guy who is only 24 and is just not at that level yet. Corey Sanhagen mixed in the takedowns, wasn't expecting to get them, but at least had Song Yudong thinking about them, and he was baiting on me. Like, Corey Sanhagen would do a faint takedown, and he was baiting hard every time because he set it up. That was brilliant, number one. However, the takeaway that I'm taking, which is the obvious one, number two, is what's so key. Originally, Corey Sanhagen was trying to throw punches with Song Yudong and realized that was not going to be sustainable because Song Yudong hits way too hard. So what he did instead, changed it up. We're not going to be as active. We're not going to be as, you know, volume-focused. 
and we're not going to focus on power when he changed it up mid-round in his mind, switched it up, elbows, which is eventually what stopped the fight. When Song Yudong would get closer, because he has to, because he's a shorter fighter, less range, Sanhagen would switch it up instead of going power for power, which he knew he would lose, to sneaking a little elbow in there. And he did that multiple times throughout the fight, and ultimately, that's the one that cut the eyebrow open so bad and had to be stopped. Then, after he did that and set it up, that's when Sanhagen kind of didn't take the foot off the gas, but kept the range in focus for the whole fight. And all you have to do at that point, since the cut is so bad, is literally just pepper away. Just tap that, just tap the eyebrow, just poke, just, you know, leg kick, leg kick, keep the distance. And that's just going to become a mess. That's what happened. And Corey Sanhagen is just a brilliant performance. It was a brilliant performance. I had it 3-1 going into the fifth round. I know some of the judges had it 2-2, but that was crazy to me, I feel like. But just great performance from Corey Sanhagen. And for me, my biggest takeaway, improved fight IQ from Corey Sanhagen. Not his best performance, but a performance to look out for because that just means he's getting closer and closer and closer to that championship level. And it's actually taking things away from these high-level fights against TJ Dillashaw and Piotr Jan, which is what you like to see in an elite fighter. And I think Corey Sanhagen is on his way to becoming an elite fighter. So great fight, great performance. Extremely mature performance from yes. Corey Sanhagen. I think that's the key takeaway here for sure. Yeah, 100%. Also, what do you guys boys, what do you boys think about the uh, takedown uh, attempt at the start of the fight from Corey Sanhagen? Was that, you think that was game plan or is he, is he just more of a wrestler now? I think it was game plan. I, I don't think he had any intention of actually grappling with Song. I think it was more an attempt to open up those elbows and knees for later in the fight. Uh, I think it was excellent gamemanship because I know um, Ryan Hall and his coaches were in yeah. Corey's corner for the fight. I think it was just game planning. Uh, I think Corey's a great wrestler, but I don't think it was the game plan. I think it was leaving the space open for those ta- for those elbows and for those knees later in the fight, but it was an excellent tactic. Yeah, same thing. I, th- I think it was all just to set up the striking. Uh, some of it, like you really wanted to get him down, but for the most part, I don't think they were kind of half-hearted and just holding him against the cage. Just getting to think about it for me. I think so. All right. Well, guys, great topic, great stuff. Let's go ahead and move on to the best of the best today. And so we're finishing off this podcast. Something we've been meaning to do for a while. We're doing a BMF list, top five BMF through the history of the UFC, MMA, whatever. Uh, We'll go, you know, the usual. Hunter, who do you have to start off your list? Uh, my number five, because uh, we're doing top five, is yep. Conor McGregor. Um, Ooh, okay. I think this is a. I think he has to be on the list. As much as you might either like or dislike Conor McGregor, he was so good at trash talking and just being an all around, you know, jerk in front of people. And I'm not saying being a jerk makes you a badass motherfucker, but I'm saying predicting the round in which you're going to finish your opponent is pretty badass. I mean, yes. Conor McGregor used to do it best. I mean. In the press conferences, he would have his opponent beat before they even stepped in the octagon. That's a badass motherfucker thing to do right there. Conor McGregor definitely deserves a spot on this list. But in my opinion, not super duper high. So I'm going to put him at number five. Yeah, that's a great shout, Hunter. Um, Originally, we had a plan as a top 10 and Conor was on my top 10. He just didn't quite make the top five. Yeah. But I think it's a more than worthy pick. Um, and I think your reasons are very valid. My number five is Michael Bisping. Um, the reasons why, um, I think they really speak for themselves. You know, not only was he a badass fighter in his own right, mm-hmm. but to go from getting your eye knocked out by Vitor Belfort and winning a title after that 
you know, that that's just top five automatically on its own. Um, not to mention the fights of the likes of Anderson Silva, the GSP fight, which was brilliant. GSP thought Michael Bisping would be a soft touch. Bisping beat him up quite badly in his own right too. And overall, just a great fighter. A guy that very few thought would succeed. Tough, tough winner. Uh, people forget that as well. An all-around amazing fighter. Michael Bisping is my number five. I love it. It, it. This list is probably one of the hardest I think I've had to make. It, oh, it's so sure. difficult, especially since we narrowed it down to the top five. It makes it more fun, but I think we're going to get a lot of variation as far as who's actually on our list, and especially what order. Uh, because number five for me, I have Dustin Poirier. Uh, I think Poirier, this might be a bit controversial, but I do think he deserves a spot on the list just from how he fights. A lot of the guys, based off of what I did, I think, especially the closer you get to the top, it's a combination of both how you talk and how you act and how you fight. For Poirier, it's specifically, I think, how he fights. You don't go, you, every Dustin Poirier fight is a war. He comes with that mindset. He's had to fight through so much adversity throughout his career. He comes to fight and he bleeds. Like that Dan Hooker fight, that third round is just exactly why he's on this list. Poirier comes to fight every single time. And that Michael Chandler fight is going to be a BMF fight for the ages. Trust me. I like I love it. Just Dustin Poirier for me. Everything about him, he embodies the BMF. Uh also before we go on, I want to give a couple of, of, of honorable mentions for me too. I think Gaethje deserves an honorable mention for me. Max Holloway surprisingly didn't make the list. He deserves an honorable mention on my part. Uh, he, he that Ricardo Lamas showdown thing is is one of the best moments ever. Uh, a, a million other people. There's so many people that can make this list, but on to number four. Uh, my number four is a, a great pick right here. It's Robbie Lawler. Uh, yes. Um, I think Robbie Lawler is the classic BMF, one of the classic BMFs, I should say. Um, it's not necessarily what he says. It's what he does in Octagon. I mean, he if you've listened to Robbie Lawler speak, you're kind of like regretting that you listen to him speak sometimes because <laughs> he's a little weird, if we're being honest here. But his weirdness definitely takes in the part of how he fights because he goes in there and he throws down until he can't throw down any longer. You talk about leaving it in the Octagon. Nobody does it better than Robbie Lawler. If you take a look at any of his five-round fights, and you take a look at that fifth round, you see where the BMF comes out. Yeah. And it's when he's throwing those hooks. It's when he's staring down his, his opponents. It's when he's his lips all cut up, but he doesn't care. He thinks it looks badass. Robbie Lawler, number four. What a fantastic pick. I mean, I'm just I'm seeing the Roy McDonald fight all over again. I mean, it's just it's vibes. It's just chills. It is what it is. Uh, I'm gonna give a couple of honorary picks here as well before I move on to number four real quick. Diego Sanchez. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Absolutely should be on any BMF list. If not, I seriously question what you're doing with your life. Anderson Silva was on my list as well. Uh, Nick Diaz was on my list too. So just a few mentions there. They are in the top 10, but just didn't quite make the cut. Mm. So who did make the cut at number four? My number four, this might also be controversial, Donald Cerrone. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys' longevity alone was just so, so impressive. Had some legendary fights against some even more legendary fighters. Sadly, fought for the belt a couple of times, could never quite get the job done, but that does not discount how much of a bad mofo Donald Cerrone actually was and still is too um 
would literally fight anybody on 20 minutes notice at times, would literally go up to welterweight, down to lightweight, anything in between or around. He would fight anybody. And for me, he is worthy of being on the top five of my list. The Cowboy rides off into the sunset, but his legacy does not. Cowboy Cerrone, you're number four. Yeah, that's a great that's a great shout. Mm-hmm. Number four for me, I have Tony Ferguson. Uh, right. I I mean Ferguson is just he has to be on the list. He has to be, especially after this past weekend. Like his whole career, just goes undefeated for years. Right, he started off the Ultimate Fire, a bit of an up and down career. Goes undefeated for years, every fight. I mean, there was a clip. There's a picture of like. 17 guys in their faces after fighting Tony Ferguson. It's just mashed up messes. Tony Ferguson came to fight, still comes to fight, will always come to fight. Just so many trademark lines. You know Tony Ferguson. I don't even have to hype him up that much because you know who he is. Tony Ferguson is that guy and has to be on the list. A true bad uh, motherfucker. And he's, he's there in the list. So, yeah, Tony Ferguson right there for me. I don't know what I like better. Uh, Jack. Uh, listing Tony Ferguson or saying motherfucker. I don't know. I don't know. It's something about him cursing. I don't know. I don't I don't really I never do it on there. I never do it on there. <laughs> the boy is becoming the mom. Yeah. Well uh thank you. My highlights, I guess I didn't give any highlights out or honorable men- mentions really. I have Mike Perry, uh Yoana <laughs> and uh BJ Penn. Love my honorable Love mentions. Uh, I don't think I have to dive in deep into why they are, but they yeah. are there. Yeah. Uh, my number three is the the original gangster Nick Diaz. Um, I don't know how he can't be on this list, if not number one. I mean, this guy is the – he's the original. He's the original badass motherfucker. I mean, he started brawls and strike force after he get uh, – his fight stopped due to, like, doctor stop it. You know, yeah. everyone knows about the strike force brawl or uh, fighting his opponent in the hospital after he heard him talking shit in the waiting room. I mean, like, sh- this type of shit you cannot make up. I mean, Nick Diaz – and his brother, Nate Diaz, honestly, two of the baddest motherfuckers that ever stopped, stepped in the octagon. Real. He lays down in the middle against Anderson Silva. He's doing shimmies. You know, he's he's fucking with the best people on the planet just because he's a badass. I mean, yeah. if that isn't reason enough, number three, Nick Diaz. Not to mention the triangle choking Takanori Gomi and pride. Jesus. Nick Diaz is basically Stone Cold Steve Austin in the real world. <laughs> and that's why I love him so much. That's such a brilliant pick, Hunter. I'm not even going to argue with that. My number three was your number four, Robbie Lawler. Um, I mean, Robbie Lawler is basically a gladiator 2,000 years into the future. E- except for a spear or a sword, he wears gloves, four-ounce gloves. And the guy is just one of the biggest legends that has ever done it in an octagon. He really is. Melvin Manhoff and Strike Force, you know, was getting torn up and then brought the overhand from hell that sent Melvin Manhoff into the ground. The, you know, the Johnny Hendricks fights, the Rory McDonald fights, too many highlights to even mention, really. Rory McDonald, or not Rory McDonald, sorry, Robbie Lawler, I mean, beneath the skin beats the heart of a gladiator, a Spartan, if you will. I mean, Robbie Lawler is just, he's just a legend beyond the meaning of the word. He really, really is. And he is, he's a Mount Rushmore bad motherfucker. There is no doubt about it. Robbie Lawler, you're number three. You could have been number two or number one, but you're more than worthy number three. For real. Has to be. Has to be on the list. Uh, For me, my number three, bit outside the box here, but I think you guys will agree with me. I have Chuck Liddell at number three. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, Chuck Liddell is an OG. Like, he would go and just be the Iceman, like, knock people out cold, go in there, just brutal, embodies the UFC. He was the first real UFC superstar that helped propel the sport, not just UFC, the sport of MMA to what it is. And that's because he just brings that excitement. He brings that BMF energy. That is Chuck Liddell. My uh, my number two is the current holder of the BMF belt, and that is Jorge Masvidal. Uh, um, you have to include him. I mean, like, sure, nowadays he's 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 making himself a criminal, but that doesn't mean he's not a badass motherfucker. I mean, I just want you guys to listen to Joe Rogan's podcast with Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. I mean, he goes out there and he's like, "Yeah, no, I don't talk. You know, I have my next opponent. This guy named Ben Askren. You know, he does a lot of talking." I'm just going to shut him up. And what does he do next fight? He goes out there and he gets the fastest knockout of all time and showboats after he's out cold. He's, you know, he's tapping the ground like he's tapping. <laughs> he's out there. He pretends like he falls asleep. I mean, Jorge Masvidal, if he's nothing, uh, if he's not a badass, he, he's definitely a showman. I mean, he, he knows what to do. Uh, in, in the podcast, I mean, he talks about wild shit he does all the time. He talks about the ladies he has at the house. I mean, he talks about the big-ass mansion he has. Talks about how he goes, you know, skiing on psychedelics. I don't know if that makes him a badass, but I'll tell you what, it makes him makes him crazy. <laughs> it does, yes, crazy I agree. Yeah. So number two, the placeholder, uh, Jorge Masvidal. That's an interesting pick, Hunter. Fair enough. A little bit left field with Tim Potty to Ortiz. I mean, like he holds the belt. <laughs> I don't know if it's left yeah, field. Come on, Hunter. I mean, realistically, Ferguson Diaz should have had that belt on the line. I mean, Masvidal was stripped when he sucker-punched Covington. That's the most anti-BMF move you can make, and I hate Colby Covington. But come on, you can't sucker-punch a man in a steakhouse, all right? You keep it clean, you keep it in the cage, or you don't do it at all. When they're talking about family, shit, I'd, 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 I'd sucker-punch if they're talking he about He had his chance in the cage. I'd argue there probably is a BMF thing to do to just, like, his, like, that. I mean, well, that's a gangster thing. I don't know. It's difficult. It's difficult when you go on, the, on those lines. you know, they shoot people. Yeah. It's a bit of a bitch move, let's be honest. <laughs> like, if it a was a bar a fight or something, why is that number enough. one? Hey, I'm surprised Colby didn't make any of our lists for like pressing charges. Like, that's a, that's a real, uh, that's, that's a ass. Be- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. No, Colby Covington ain't going to be on anybody's PMF list. Um, no, look, fair enough. It's an interesting pick. I like the reasons. I can't say it's where I would have gone, it's not where I went, but fair enough. You know, we keep it fresh. And we keep it unique on the MMA Island podcast. So who's my number two then? If I've been so critical of Hunter's pick, who have I stepped up to the plate with? I have stepped up with Nicholas Diaz's brother, Nate Diaz. I think, Nate, if you are looking for somebody who, in the dictionary, Urban, Oxford, any edition that you purchase, if you look for the textbook dictionary definition of a BMF, you're looking at Nate Diaz, realistically. This is a guy who agreed to fight Hamza Chemaev on the last fight of his contract just to get out. Fought Tony Ferguson, had one of the best fights we've ever seen. Look at his career. Look at how long it has been and how successful it has been. Tough winner. One of the best seasons, season five, Jens Pulver, BJ Penn. You know, this is a guy who, all right, he might not have always been the biggest star. He derailed the hype train of Conor McGregor. People forget that as well. Made himself into a star off of that fight, was in the BMF title fight, and was arguably arguably coming back to win. I'm not going to debate that. I think the doctor stoppage was fair. 
But we know Nate. The one thing people always say about Nate Diaz is that he never runs out of gas. He just runs out of time. And that defines a BMF as well. A guy who can take the punishment Nate Diaz has taken and keep going. That is something different. Nate, I was actually talking to someone the other day and I described Nate Diaz to them. And Nate Diaz is the modern day Jake LaMotta. He is the raging bull. And that is why he's the second biggest BMF for me. Nate Diaz, you just about miss out number one, but you are absolutely up there. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Number two for you. Uh, I have at my number two, uh, Robbie Lawler. All of our lists, he's on it. Uh, Four, I, three, and two. Nice. Exactly. Like, you don't even really have to explain it too much because you guys already did, but he has to be on there. True BMF. Even, okay, I'll say this. Even the, the, the speeches make some a BMF for me. Like, I'm going to take your soul, stuff like that. I love it. I love that stuff. I love it. It's just Robbie Lawler. It's who he is. He can't say anything normally. It's all just focused on the fight. I, I love it. Robbie Lawler, number two for me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. My number one is no surprise. It's uh, Nate Diaz. Um, For all the reasons you guys listed and more, um, we'll just take last or two weeks ago, for example. Um, yeah. Schedule the fight Hamza. Doesn't do it. Fights Tony Ferguson instead. Also another BMF. Uh, there's just so many things he's done in his career. Everything I said about Nick Diaz, I can say the same for Nate Diaz plus more. Um, Nate Diaz, you know, my favorite my my favorite BMF moment is when he has that uh, triangle cinched in and he, he does the double flip off. And then Kurt Pellegrino. Yes, yes. yes. It's, it's one of my favorite moments in the UFC in general. It just kind of shows you the sport that, that we're in. You could have humble people or you could have Badass motherfuckers like yeah. Nate Diaz pushing people off. I mean, Nate Diaz. I, I, there's not much else to say. There's so many. If you want badass moments, look them up on YouTube. Uh, there's so many. There's probably multiple 15-minute videos explaining why he's a badass motherfucker. So, Nate Diaz, number one. I'm going to add one more moment there before I move on because I think it's worthy of it. The interview that didn't err on ESPN. Oh, yes, yes. yes. These dudes fucking suck. That <laughs> is just... The most Nate Diaz thing ever. Yeah. Most Nate Diaz thing ever. They made me put the shit on. <laughs> Nate Diaz is just a legend. He just is. And if it wasn't for my number one, Nate would be my number one as well. Um, so who is my number one? Who has managed to usurp Nate Diaz to be the baddest of the baddest motherfuckers that have ever done it? I'm curious. It's, B- it's BJ Penn. Oh, okay. Okay. And the, re- the, the reason it's BJ Penn is because for me, BJ Penn's the original bad motherfucker. He's the one who did the weight class climbing. He's the one who fought every, everybody. I think he fought Leoto Machida at light heavyweight once in Pride, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. I mean, BJ Penn literally fought anybody he could fight. It didn't matter the weight class. He would go up any weight. He would manage any weight that he could, and he would take it to them. I mean, he's fought George St. Pierre, beaten George St. Pierre, fought uh, Matt Serra, fought Matt Hughes, fought all the legends of the sport and won against most of them as well. This is a guy who got a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in two years, I think it was. Do you have any idea how impossible that is to do, to get a black belt in like two years? I mean, the guy is just a freak of nature in a very good way. I mean, the fights where he licks the blood off his opponents, you know, all these kind of fights where, you know, he is just the embodiment of a BMF. 
if there had been a BMF title back in the beginning, the lineage really runs through BJ Penn and it goes through the other people that we've mentioned. But the starting point is BJ Penn. So for me, my number one, the baddest motherfucker to ever do it is Hawaii's own BJ Penn. I actually really respect that. That's a great shout, Kaelin. I love it. That's a great shout. Uh, uh, My number one, I'm going to go with the obvious as well. Nate Diaz, number one, has to be after this last fight. I really do think... Nick laid the foundation of what it is, and Nate just carried that legacy and more, skyrocketed it. Everything about him, the Conor McGregor first fight where he takes it on short notice, right? The fight, he goes out there, chokes him. I'm not surprised. Like, everything about Nate Diaz, the, the BMF title fight, the reason he was it was sitting around him. And this last fight week, if you need no explanation, right? You don't know who Nate Diaz is. You don't know anything about the sport. Watch this last fight week that we just saw unfold. UFC 279, watch that whole week unfold, and that is who Nate Diaz is, and that is why he's at the top of the list. Everything about it. He's going, he's on his way out of the UFC, so he's burning everything down. The shoe, Megno Levy moment. Look, even after the fight with Tony Ferguson, he gets handed the, the monster energy. He throws it across the octagon. Like, everything about that is Nate Diaz. Goes out there, sinks the choke in, does the flex. Like, I love it. That's Nate Diaz, the trash talk, everything about it, America, MFers. Like, that's the best thing ever. Nate Diaz, number one for me, has to be. Also, guys, I just want to add something in here really quickly that supports Nate being number one in his final fight. He chokes out Tony Ferguson at two minutes and nine seconds left. Oh, of yes. Need, need I say anything more? Need I say anything more? It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, guys. Great podcast. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island.Podcast and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Thank you, everyone, again, so much for listening and great podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next one.